0: One thing that we want to just really reiterate in in today's episode is don't overlook the walk as being an insignificant time. It's the most. It's one of the most engaging times that your dog gets with the world, and and with you as the and owner. With you, yeah. So you go out for your walk. Don't just walk the streets and go. That's it. Have the opportunity that your dog's so good that you can hire an Airbnb somewhere and walk your dog in a new place, and it's all good because you can. Not think, oh, how do I get my dog boarded? Because I need to go on a on a local holiday, go somewhere where you can have your dog, your dog with you. Yeah, yeah. So then your dog can They're then part live of the family.
1: Left. You know, take him with you.
0: Yeah. How many times I can I can walk anywhere with spades, and I know that. Of course, you know, there's there's still the safety side of things. Always keep your dog on a lead, even if you think he is going to run off from you. I mean, if you don't think he's going to run away from you, because anything could happen. A dog can bounce out of nowhere and and chase him, and he may run away. He may get spooked by something. Anything could happen. Episode 6. We're back again. We are back. How exciting.
1: All right. So, structured walking. Structured walk. Yeah. The loose lead walk. Very yeah. important. We, You have mentioned this um, in an earlier episode. So, I think in episode 2, uh, all dogs need a job. It yep. did come up and that was, you spoke of that as one element of a dog's job mm-hmm. and in putting them to work daily. But today, we're going to get more into the details of yeah, the talk, walk
0: itself. Exactly. I think yeah. that's really important. Yeah. Every dog should be going for walks every day. So, Larry Crone said it the best. He said the best or the most important tool we have is a, the structured loose lead walk. And when we think about it, if every dog has to go out every single day, well, then let's do it properly. Let's make it most optimal and practical. Mm. And so we can set ourselves up and our dogs for the future. Yeah. So um, I guess we're going to start off by talking about the 20 20 rule. So I recommend to everybody, if they can. If we're not too time poor, that we are, I try to average sixty minutes of walking a day.
1: Yeah, it's not a lot to ask. Well, I don't want to say that like people are busy, but it's full. If you're going to have, a, yeah, if you're going to have a dog, I think the least you could give it is an hour of for like sure your, of your undivided attention. Yeah,
0: well, we're going to go dig a bit deeper in in that to see that there's many mm-hmm. values for going for a walk every single day, and I think we're going to use use our dogs as the excuse to get out of the house. So yeah. We'll talk a bit about that, but if we talk about that 202020 20, 20 rule, we want to do 20 minutes structured walk, which is loose lead walking. There's no tension on the lead. Ideally, that our dogs are next to us, so as we walk, yeah. they follow us. We stop, we stop. They sit, they sit. We say okay, and they're allowed to walk again. Yeah. And then we do the next 20 minutes. We put attachment to a 10 meter long lead yeah. in the park. We let them pee, poo, play, sniff, chase a ball, have fun. Of course, opportunity to practice some of your training as well, depending on what level of of training that you're at. Mm. Basically, it work like a recall, a downstay. You know, if your dog likes to play tug or play with the ball, then we use that as part of the reward schedules. And, um, and then we do a 20 minutes walk back home. So if we can structure it that way, then we're surrounding the excitement part of the walk, which is the, the loose lead. I mean, the long lead time. If we can surround it by structure, we're leaving the house calm. We're interacting with the world as calm as we can. Um, and it makes it enjoyable for us. Then we can give the dog the release where they can play and then we walk back home. So, we're coming back into the house yeah. a lot more calmer and relaxed. Yeah. If we do fun time in the beginning or at the end, then it's just going to be too, too much craziness and it's going to be hard for mm. most dog owners to handle that.
1: Plus, if you assume that the um, the free time happens in the park, you want the the structured time to be like, obviously, you're on the footpath and you're a bit more out in the open. You want that to be a bit more under control. Whereas yep. when you're in the park, you've got a big open space. Okay, now the dog can can be a bit more free on a long lead Definitely with parameters around
0: that. One thing that I see is always that every time people go to the park, the dog always knows a big green space means they're going to be free time and that's when they start acting up. So, in saying that we do give them that free time in the park, we also want to walk structured, walk through the park and then choose your time of when to give them the long lead. Okay. So, I think that's important as well. A little tip for everyone is- So,
1: yeah, okay. So, just because you've set foot on the grass doesn't mean it's- Straight away, it's, exactly. um free time.
0: Yeah, I think, and I start to see that with my own dogs. I got a bit lazy, complacent. Just go to the park, long lead time, and straight away when I get into the park, Nookie's looking at me, re- ready to play the game. So I start to see that. No, we're going to go a different direction, walk around, and then do that long lead time. Then, and so you would actually delay the lo- so. I guess for the dog, the long lead is
1: is marking that. Transition.
0: Yeah, it, I think as soon as the – well, we do two things. As soon as the lead is clipped on, the long lead, but the dog doesn't know it's a long lead, but they know that there's a transition of two leads going okay. on. yeah. But I do want to put it on command. So I say – so for my dogs, I say go, which is that's your free time. And then when we're back at walking, then we're back on short lead – give him the command that we... Right, so there's structure. a
1: marker for the, once the long lead goes on, you've got a marker for that as well. Yeah, which I like is to go. do that. Yep.
0: Because with my dog, um, Spades, if he's going to be off the lead somewhere or if I'm using him for work, so when we're working and we're doing the more structured sort of things with my clients in regards to dog reactivity, et cetera, while we're out on the on the footpath, yep. I do want to tell my dog, it's time now, go have a pee, do what you got to do, roll around the grass, and he knows when to do that rather than him doing it and then me saying, hey, don't do that yep. because it would be confusing for him. Right. So I'm um, talking about it being the most important tool that we have. Well, we elaborate on that by saying that we already talked about that it should be happening every day. And if you're doing something every day, we want to make it as comfortable on both sides of the lead. Mm. What we don't want is our dogs pulling at the end of the lead. They're barking at everything they see. They're trying to pee on every single bush. There's a few problems with that. First of all, your dog's just getting too wound up with too much chaos and no order with chaos then creates more chaos. Um, stress for us as well, thinking about, how when owners are walking the streets, and you've mentioned the other day that I killed it for you. Now everywhere you walk, you see yeah, I was just about mis- to say that. misbehaved <laughs> like, dogs, right?
1: Not only that, but and um, you know you've just, we've just released q and A Q&A on this as well on the the types of leashes. And I just once you've mentioned it, I noticed just how many people are using like retractable leads and ropey leads, and um, and you can just see the dog basically just choking itself to death, especially yep. the bigger dogs. And they're yep. just
0: like pulling like this, and exactly not a good look. That's no, not a good look, for, and for the dog, like they become so desensitized to any pressure on their neck, they are they still care, blocking yeah, their windpipe. Yeah. But they've become so desensitized in their throat that they they think the pressure of pulling gets them somewhere. So right. they've learnt through negative reinforcement that they can relieve whatever they are trying to relieve, whether it's pressure on the collar or the owner screaming at them out of frustration. They're still going to get to their destination. Yeah. So they. So it makes no difference to them. Well, it, it and it make well they they're like it, even they if like I pull, it. I still get it. For sure. Yeah. Well, how many people like you see in UFC, they're getting their head kicked in and, and they're still excited, smiling mm, yeah. at the end of it, right? Because yeah. they've been conditioned to that sort of physical force and, and, and pressure on their own self. So when we're walking, ideally we have our dogs on our loose, um, next to us mm-hmm. on a loose lead. I prefer the dog to be on the left hand side yeah. for a couple of reasons. When we're walking down the street in Australia, most people should be walking on the left hand side. And that way the dog's on the outside. He's on the outside of any bypassing past, dogs or people. Yeah. Yeah. Be the barrier. And also, because I'm right-handed, I use my right hand to yeah, reward, yeah, answer trout, my phone. Treat pouch. Treat pouch. Yeah. We're not fishing, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, um yes, yeah, so I have them up next to you. Use your right hand to do the things that are important. Yep. So, that's how I like it to be. I if- noticed that with the, some of
1: the clients- um because the the loose lead walking and the and the treat pouch is probably quite new to them. Some of them get a little bit twisted up. Still holding it with two hands, holding. But they might have the pouch on the right side, but also try and hold the leash on the right side as well. So just getting used to that takes um, time. Yeah,
0: it's like it, it's for us as well. My clients have to learn their own mind body connection. Yeah. So when we're out walking, the dog is being f- physically fulfilled, but it, as we spoke in about in the why all dogs need a job we can let them run all day long but they're not they're going to be tired physically but not mentally mm. so when we're out on the walk and i tell this to my clients before we enter the structured walk a little bit of the theory of it and as we're walking you can see halfway through the walk the dogs become a lot more relaxed he understands that he's not allowed to get in front of us we're rewarding when he's next to us and you can see he's a lot more calm he's a lot more relaxed actually just this morning i seen a little hound. yep and very reactive super reactive to he was to anything that What happened. is it
1: with those dogs man <laughs>
0: I guess it's the way I've just seen bread. a lot. I've seen a lot of them. I remember
1: my best friend growing up had a dachshund, and, uh, her name was Chloe as well. Same as my family dog, coincidentally. Uh, and she was the sweetest little thing, but there was like, I think it was a German shepherd that lived next door and she, she would have been eaten alive, obviously, but she just wanted to fight this dog all the time and she was just so reactive to it. And she's like this big, you know.
0: For sure. I guess there's a few reasons why if we were to think a little bit about the dash hound itself is that they were designed to fl- flush badgers out of badger right. holes. That's why so like they're shaped that. like that? Sh- yeah, so they were bred to be short and stumpy so they can get down um, a dark hole to get a ferocious f- creature out. And when I say ferocious, I've seen videos of badgers standing up to a male lion. So they have that tenacity, they have that, that, um, that aggression. So for anything to have to go down a dark hole and to flush it out for the hunter to kill it. It has to have a sense of attitude, but I also think that the way they've been bred in Australia, we've been breeding them smaller to be cuter, have certain uh, colours, okay. and they maybe are, some of them are
1: small. There's a mini a, Dachshund as well. Yeah, right?
0: Heaps small. Like if, when I was in Europe in Germany, like I seen like a, an original dachshund is like you know right. quite large, yeah. quite tall, and that's how they were designed to be. Again, I'm no dashhound expert, so you know don't want to um, put too many misinformation out there. But um, to my knowledge, I know that. It could be from breeding. It could also be from, of course, lack of early socialisation. Yeah. But um, but it could it could be genetic, and it could also be um, the fact that that's just part of the characteristics. So this dog was this morning was scared. Now this is our second session, and I did go through some loose lead walking with the clients in the first session. I showed them that this is the first thing we need to work on. The dog wasn't going out for walks because they couldn't walk the dog because it was barking at everything that was happening. So and pulling. Pulling on the lead yep. as well. So, it was on a harness. We're and going you- to talk about harnesses versus collars yep. because I think that's what-
1: I think that was sort of my follow-on question after you um, did the the leash one. It's like, it, um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people were probably thinking, um, what's the difference between a collar and a- harness and at what point, like maybe a puppy. I noticed that you, when you're doing puppy training, they often start with a harness yep. before they move on to the, the martingale collar. That's it. Yeah, exactly. After, say, six six months or so. Around six,
0: seven months yep. old, depending on the dog's development. Um. So, um, because he was on a harness, he was pulling, he was basically walking on two legs everywhere, barking at everything. She goes, I just can't walk. I feel embarrassed. I'm, I'm scared. Uh, and also, she felt that her dog was stressed out as well, which the dog was. So, in the last couple of weeks now, she, so when we met up today, she- Actually, didn't bark at me. He didn't bark at me initially, but he did throughout the session a couple of times when he got a bit spooked. But um, we did walk up and down the pathway near the water, and not one person she barked at. We actually walked past five different dogs, and her dog reactivity was even more than dog reactivity. And we had used spades and Nookie to work on that socialization. So it's good to have calm, relaxed dogs. And we went for the walk. I showed her how to use the collar. Showed him how to how to use pressure on the lead. It's important, but also how to use that food as a a resource and a tool to be able to reinforce the behaviors they want. And he had a high um, food drive, so why not use it? Sure. And um, through the just basically the structure of the walk, started to show that dog how to be more confident, how to be more relaxed. And it's not the be all, end all, but it's somewhere to start with. So we don't want to go into too much complexity first. We want to have a good foundation. And if you can teach your adult dog how to walk on a loose lead, then everything becomes better. So now these people can walk every single day, And talking about the benefits of going for a walk every day is that most people are working office jobs, even if you're working out and about. I'm out with dogs and walking all day long, but I look forward to coming home and taking my dogs for the walk because it's my time to clear my mind, take nice deep breaths. I try to find nature. I live close to the bay. I can also go up to the big park. So I've got those options depending on what mood I'm in, but I want to use that as part of that meditative process. Walk and breathe, and just recalibrate.
1: What do you always say? We have dogs to complement our lives, not to complicate them. Exactly, hundred percent. She's on. It's a lady, right? This Mm -hmm. Dashen's owner. So she's a couple. Sorry, couple. They're only human. Like if the dog is, if that walking that dog is a really unpleasant situation, it's human nature to try and avoid that. Yeah. You know I don't blame them. For sure. they have got to fix it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And they reached out and they did their thing and I and I even when we we're doing it, talking about like that dog's marker was awesome. So they say the word yes and he knows knows it a hundred percent. Now there's some clients that don't practice it enough or not correctly. But I I made a comment to him is that I'm so happy that you've done the homework because what we did in the first session wasn't even addressing really the reactivity. We did work on some counter conditioning techniques. Um and we'll explain that as well. Yep. Of what to do. But um, we did talk about some basic foundations but because they worked that foundation for the last four weeks, now we're able to achieve more goals. And then it was frustrating for them. I did get a couple of phone calls and I coached them through a few things to do. But from today, like they were legitimately amazed. And not that I'm doing this to amaze people, but I'm doing it to show them it's so simple. It's so effective. And why not do it anyway? Who wants to go for a walk and get pulled down the street? So when we're going for the walk, try to See the walk as first of all your exercise for the day. Try to find it as time to clear your mind. Go to the park, do a bit of a stretch, interact with your dogs, play with them. The end of our day is the beginning of our dog's day. So when you come home from work, give them that opportunity to drain that energy out in nature or out in of the house. So when we're at home, we can live comfortably together. And um and of course, you know, with bigger dogs, I'm a lot of people are so focused on the mental and physical needs of the dog, but we're a lot of the time we're forgetting about how do people feel when they get pulled down the street. They, they're going to have shoulder injuries, they have hip issues, or if they're older people, they're just simply not going to walk the dog. Um, and think about how frustrating it is as well. So we're doing the loose lead walking for for those two reasons, looking after both ends of the lead, yeah. very, very important. So I like um,
1: that. I like that because it's not just about either the dog or the human. It's We're trying to live in – it's a symbiotic relationship. Of
0: course. Yeah. And that's why we, like we have to ask the question, like, why do we have the dog for? We have the dog not because we have to look after the dog, mm. it's because we want to. So yeah. let's give the dog something to do and let's make it, as we said before, complementing our life. Yeah. And um, I've got to stop saying, um, so I'm working on that, people. Hey, we've all got verbal tics. <laughs> there you go. I say, yep. Yep. And right, right. <laughs> right, right. Right, 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 <laughs> right. So when we're, so we'll talk about the harness. So harnesses were developed for dogs to pull sleds. So it's strapped in the strongest part of the dog's body, yeah. which is on their chest and their shoulders. And what happens is if it's clipped on the back, you're putting pressure backwards on the harness, which then creates opposition reflex, which means the dog pushes opposite to where the pressure is going with that resistance, and then the dog then continues to pull you up the street. So, really,
1: a harness is the most comfortable thing they could be wearing with pressure on the back of them.
0: Exactly. You think about it. If you want your dog to- why
1: wouldn't they pull? Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? They would design- for the dog to pull. pull
1: and to be comfortable exactly. while pulling. Yes. So, how are you going to control the dog while they're in a
0: harness? It's hard to control a dog's body with their body. Yeah. And this is the problem. And mm. yeah, if you want them to pull weights or pull a sled, you need a harness. You don't let a dog pull on a collar. Yeah. So, when we're out on the walk, a few things that happen when your dog's walking with a harness is that, of course, it, we can't control them as effectively, but you still haven't got control over that head. Yep. And if you can't control the head, then you can't control the body. Mm. So when we're going down the street and the dog sees a thing that it wants to go to, whether we want to say hi to another dog or sniff the pole or chase the bird across the road, the dog's looking in one direction. I'm pulling in the opposite direction. The dog now cannot cannot see me, and I'm just holding the dog back. You're the anchor. We're the just we're only the anchor. Only right? the anchor, and that's yeah. that's a big problem. And. um Dogs can back out of harnesses very easily, depending on what style of harness you got. So, the harness Slip it out. Slip they can out slip it. out. So, what happens is the dog puts the brakes on, they put their weight back as if they don't want to go somewhere, whether they're scared or they want to go back to that other person or to the dog or whatever it is. So, they're putting resistance and then we go, come on, we have to walk, especially if you're crossing the road, we're in a hurry. So, we put pressure on the harness and whoosh, slips right. off like a T-shirt. So, now
1: you're in front of the dog pulling this way. Yeah. And the- and the dog then puts the brakes on, yeah. so then
0: their, their elbows and their shoulders are aligned all together, so that's how it can slip off. Right. So the ones that I use, I so use then like a- you're in a trouble. Big trouble, yeah. You're gonna have to chase your dog down the street. Yeah. Hopefully you got a recall, right? Yeah. So the harnesses that I use um, are the Rog's um, H harness, which has adjustable straps around the shoulders and for around the body, so it's a lot less likely for a dog to slip out of it. And I've been using this Spawn harness as well, which is um, which puts pressure for the front and for the back, but- We'll t- maybe talk, maybe one of the Q&As is going to be talking about, you know, so what tools and what harnesses mm-hmm. I, I do recommend so people know which ones to get because yeah. not all collars are created equally, the same as harnesses. Like, but Yeah, just like leashes. 100%. Yeah. So, having that harness on can cause those issues and, of course, we haven't got control over them. So, for puppies up to six months old, I do have them on a harness because I don't want to put any unnecessary pressure on their throat and- you were and also saying you don't want to
1: desensitize them to the martingale. That's right. When it, before it's, when it's too time early, to. Yeah. And we've
0: seen that with um, Archie last week, that he was a seven-month-old golden retriever on the harness all the way through puppyhood. And I told him, I want a very confident dog when I come and see you guys when you do obedience training. Yeah. So when we've seen each other, hey, he was pulling a bit and like holding him back. He wasn't bad. He yeah. wasn't naughty. Yeah. He's strong. He's a big dog. Yeah. He's
1: getting big. For sure. And just for the listeners, so when you say obedience training, you, you're delineating between when they've- Reached about six to seven months. It's yeah. no longer puppy training. It's now more yeah. teenage adult.
0: Training yeah, we because to expect obedience training from a puppy is is too Crushing much. We still much. we still work with commands, yeah. of course, but the reliability of a good stay, loose lead walking, and the ability for a dog to be more cognitive in those seven, six or seven months is a lot more it's like likely. trying to get a toddler to listen to you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we've got good management when we're young, and yeah. and we want to build them up to that. So when we've seen, um, Archie. Last week, he was pulling a lot, et cetera. But as soon as – and we're going to talk about the martingale collar in a second. As soon as we put the martingale collar on, it was like really, really easy. Actually, I'm going to put that video that you made together. I'm going to put them together and put them out there so that people can see the dog and what we worked on. So why I don't walk with a flat collar? The problem with flat collar is that it sits down low on a dog's neck. It's a buckled collar. So what happens is it um, only puts pressure in one spot opposite to where you're pulling. And most of the time we're pulling back, the dog's pushing (laughs) forward. When you say flat collar, that's just like the generic – what Standard. most
1: people would think of as like, hey, that's a dog collar.
0: That's right. Yeah, it could be a buckle with a Canvas clip or or whatever it is, leather, yep. nylon. Yeah. So like, I do have a, I do recommend having a flat collar on a dog while they're at home with the details on it and it's something that you can grab, so you're not grabbing dog's yep. fur to like stop them running through the door or whatever. Yeah. But for walking, it's just it's too, way too low low on the dog's neck, which then does two things. That first of all, um, the dog pulls and starts to block its windpipe, so you hear them, <laughs> and they start to choke. And also they can back out of it very easily because there's no way for it to adjust unless you have it on really, really tight. And also buckles break at the worst time. So that's also the reasons why I don't recommend walking on them, especially for your more stronger dogs. But also when the collar is a weak point in that collar, really, isn't that's it? Right. It's the buckle. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Where with a flat collar, it sits, um, when, when it's sitting down low, you still can't control that head. And you don't control the head, then you can't control the body. Yeah. So, you walk down the street, he sees something, we're pulling, and then he's trying to go to where yeah. he's looking at. Because a martingale collar can't
1: really be disconnected. It can only be lengthened, right? That's right. Yeah,
0: with the ones that we yeah. use, we, the, which is the rogs, we yeah. adjust so it. there's no weak point. And it has to go over the head. So, they have to break the chain, Yeah, which is unlikely. Yeah. I've never seen one break anyway. So, yeah. So, talking about the martingale collar. And again, I'm, we do. So, there is a video of um, how to use a martingale collar on my on Nutris Pooch's YouTube. YouTube channel. Yeah and when i put this one on youtube i'll link to it yeah we can link it there yeah Yeah. cool so we talk a little bit about it now apologies there was a bit of wind in that video (laughs) but people seem to like it and people commenting on it so it's been helping them out but yeah so we want to keep the collar up high right up under the jaw and behind the ears for two reasons as soon as the dog pulls he feels uncomfortable when he pulls back yeah by keeping the collar up high you have control over that head and if you can control the head you can then control the body And we are Same
1: with humans too, right? So. 100%. And you, I mean, you're, um, quite into your martial arts. So you know that as well. Like if you can control someone's head, you can control the rest of their body. Yeah. Their movement. Exactly. What they're looking at. Where the head, it's like, um, same with like when you're snowboarding, where the head.
0: Where you, wherever you look that's where you go yeah 100 yeah. percent. you know it's a command center yeah it's where everything stems from in regards to cognition so if you're facing one direction you're more likely to walk in that direction so if i wanted to yeah of course if i want to stop you and you're bigger than me to come at me i'm going to try to control that head to push it up so then your body can kind of follow and get the hell out of there mm. well um, so with that dog there keeping that collar up high is really essential but of course there's like today we're not gonna talk about how to use it an ins and outs because through a podcast it's it's even through a video, yeah. it'd be very hard, right? But Call Nutz's pooches. That's it, yeah. Come come see <laughs> us. And if you're international, come in and um we'll do a, a Skype session or something. Yeah. But yeah, keeping that collar up high really important. And also when you adjust the collar, you don't want those two side rings to touch, so it evenly puts pressure around the neck. There's also a chain on these collars, so then when you pull it it makes a noise yeah. and that helps with um that classical conditioning, the dog hears the click. And then understands that he should pull back and then... Yep. The sound of the him. chain r-
1: rubbing against That's the, the metal. Yeah. Um, I noticed as well when we were walking just how often you actually have to reposition the collar. It might be even as often as every, t- you know, three or four minutes.
0: Depending on the dog yep. and, and things like that. Sometimes a collar does drop. So, if you are going to use a muddinger collar, you've got to keep adjusting yep. it, pulling it up it. high. Yeah, um, It's a way that you pull it and ha- which way do you work with it? If you're pulling back on any collar, it's going to start sliding down the neck. So, um... My, my point about all of this is that use the right tool for when you're walking your dog. Um, you can also get a harness that do clip on the front. For young puppies, we've been doing that um, more in the last few years since I've been more aware of the front clip harness and it's been really good in effect, very effective with controlling yeah. dogs. With some small dogs, even when they're a little bit older, you don't have to have them on a martingale collar. They can respond really well on a front clip harness. and, right. so and It totally if it works depends well, on the dog. For sure. If it yeah. works well, we can use it. Um, so, so those um, harnesses will have a clip on the back and the
1: front? Yeah. yeah? Yeah, well, yep. not all of them. But is that the, are they the Rogue's ones?
0: The Rogue one has an option for it, but I prefer the Spawn Ultimate Harness. I think Spawn, it's called. Is it? yep. Yeah, it's um, it's got adjust for the front and for the back okay. of the clips. So there. there you go. Having it on the front there, you can pull them off balance, and then you're easier to control them. And with a smaller dog, it works. It can work well, even for us for a larger dog. It can work. still the reason why I don't recommend it for when they're like seven months old is that they get so strong they just start walking sideways up the street or they're still you're still not controlling their head as effectively so it just depends on the dog and how how intense they are and with little Nookie when we got her she had an issue with her throat so when where she came from there was a bit of um irritation on the throat whether they were letting her pull on a collar and that's what happened a little issue there I'm saying that I don't know the technical medical terms. I'm pretty sure it's called a mm-hmm. Um Trachea? Trachea? Yeah, trachea. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So in the trachea there collapsed or could have yeah. had some issue and she was like coughing all the time. So I had her on the front clip harness and that worked really well. Now I've had her on a collar and there hasn't been any issues, but she doesn't pull on the lead yeah. at all. She's always walking next to me. So that works really well. So just look, use the right tool for the job. You can also use holties. Use the right- What's that one? A uh, what um, oh, goes yeah. over the nose yeah, yeah, of yeah. the dog.
1: I was, actually, I, I meant to ask you about that. I saw a- it was a Labrador the other day that had one of them. So, mm-hmm. obviously, again, it's giving you a lot of control over the actual um, yeah. snout of the dog. That's right. Yeah.
0: And control, c- control the front of the dog's face and then you can control the walk. Dogs don't really like it. You have to condition them how to wear it wear first it. before you just whack it on and go for the walk. They try to rub it off and with their paws or rub their head on the grass. It can also cause some issues in the spinal column if you're pulling it too hard and it's like you're whiplashing the dog, so that's no good. It can cut into the dog's eyes. I generally don't use them. I'm not against them. As long as people use them properly, it can work really like well. Like anything, isn't it? Just like anything. Yep. So I'm not really against tools in particular. I'm, I'm against how people use a tool. And I mm. think that's that's essential. And we're at a time now where we have to be talking about these things so we can discuss should they be banned, should they not be banned. Yeah, well, because that's the thing, important. isn't it? It's like the, the e-collars banned in New South Wales.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that are pro and against that. Obviously, mm-hmm. not even like just as an example, not every state in Australia has banned it. So exactly. the right tool in the wrong hands is always going to be a problem
0: i can hurt a dog with my hand and same with the with a leather lead Yeah, and i don't ban the lead we we have to educate and teach people how to use tools appropriately so yep. if you're gonna if you're interested in having a structured walk with your dog use the right tool have a tree pouch have food with you and teach the dog how to walk next to you so we do this through training and a lot of trainers do teach loose lead walking it's kind of a dying art. I want to see more loosely dogs when they're out walking. I want them to be happy. And you see my dogs when walking, yeah. everyone's calm, everyone's relaxed. There is time for free time. But get that dog mentally and physically working together for more optimal exercise. Yeah, Become a better leader while your dog becomes a better follower. And that way there, we can use our obedience training effectively. We can interact and engage with the world appropriately. You can enjoy the walk at the end of your day. Don't come home, crack a beer, and watch TV. Go home, walk your dog. I also find time in my walk where I do some exercise, do some stretching. It's time for me to reflect, think about things. I think about what we're going to talk about on podcasts, et cetera. So, yeah. you know, make that part of your day. It's part of your ritual. Part of your, like, daily meditation, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then you come home. Free personal 100%, trainer. 100%. He's there waiting for you. Yeah. He's like, let's go for the yeah. walk, right? So, so let's use that as um, – and I think everybody should be – um Thinking about a structured walk. Now, some people say, I'm not too concerned. I don't care if he pulls me up the street. But we all know that that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. No. <laughs> because who, who wants to get dragged you, up
1: the street? In what possible situation would you want a dog to be pulling you up the
0: I think because they think that the dog's thinking the walk is their free time. So, the walk isn't a holiday. It's like, oh, it's a break from being at home. Let's go for the walk to sniff and pee and poo and play. Give them that chance on the long lead, free time. But when you're walking on that structured walk, let's give them that. Give them that job, yeah. give them it, something to it, do. The free time's coming. Exactly. Yeah. So the more discipline they have, the more freedom they, they can have. And and that's the same with my dogs now. I can walk and even if I drop the lead, I know that they're not going to run away from me. They stay right next to me. If I tell them to sit, to stay, then they will wait there. So what do you do to get that, that loose lead walking going? So, with a Martingale collar, we keep the collar up high. We start with teaching a release command inside the house. Yeah. Which so means bolt through
1: the gate when you open it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell them to sit. They hold a the sit until we say the word okay. The way to do that, real quickly, would be that you tell them to sit. You take a step forward. If they stay in position, you say yes, you reward them. You say okay. They're allowed to walk again. If they break position, we apply some pressure on the collar and put pressure Reset. on their bum. And we say, uh-uh, which means you've got to stay in the position until I then release you. And that's going to help you, as you said, when we get to the doorway. You don't want to open the door and start the walk, level 10 out of 10 excitement. You want to do a little training session to get them in the zone, get them focused on you. And that's why I say do three to five sessions a day, three to five minutes each session. So that way they're, one of your sessions can be before your walk perhaps so it can um, get them used to following you get them conditioned to knowing that the lead always means we're doing something together, not always an indication they're going for a walk. Because some people, they go for the draw, they pull the lead out and the dog's going crazy. Yeah. They whack it on. By the time they've pulled the lead out of the draw. Or just opened and- the draw. Exactly. Yeah. And they're out in the street. By the time that happens, is like 30 seconds. So the dog hasn't had time to calm down and we are enter the, sh- the, the street in a manic state of mind. So that's how I would approach it be calm, be relaxed. When you're doing the training, start reinforcing behaviors that you like. Then you've got to know how to use pressure and how to use a correction. When you're using a martingale collar, you can't keep the collar tight the whole time because the dog's going to choke and that's not what we're doing. We're trying to promote a loose lead. Ways to do that is as you walk out the driveway, the dog pulls ahead of you, you just change your direction. and You change direction a few times until your dog starts walking next to you. You say yes and you reward. So You start marking the behavior when they're Basically next to you, yeah. eyes in line. So it's a bit your of free neck. shaping there. It would be free shaping for sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You're capturing, and for people who don't know what free shaping is, we're capturing behaviour it while it's happening, so we can strengthen it for the and future. Market, we market with that with that yes yep. command. And then, of course, another technique you can do is it, when the collar's in the right position. As long as your lead's loose, when the dog's next to you, as soon as they get in front of you. You put a bit of pressure on that collar, so you put it 90 degrees up. The dog comes back next to you, you release it, you say yes and reward. The dog yeah. goes in front, you put pressure, he comes next to you, release, you reward. And through that, the dog learns to take the pressure off the lead, which is undesirable, to come back next to you. As soon as the pressure is relieved, then you're rewarding on top of it. Then the dog starts figuring out where to be most focused and calm when they're walking with you. Focus, calm, alert, but also I don't want them to be a focused heel. A focused heel is a very specific job. When I say heel the dog, Comes up next to me and he's very focused on me. Right, um, and we're not walking down the street in a heel because I don't think you should be doing a whole twenty minutes of healing unless you're like a full high competitor sport dog. Bart Bellin, <laughs> for sure. And yeah. there's and look, and there's some dogs that can do a real focus heel, but loosely mm. walking is where just your walking. everyday
1: application. It's not really that relevant.
0: Well, even yesterday, so my client said when how they were taught when they did their dog training like twenty years ago, they said heel when we walk. And I ask the question: Okay, you told your dog to heal. When are you getting him out of heel? Like when is it? When's when does his, it end? When do you release that? Yeah. And then what does it? Re, what when are you? Re, what are you releasing him into? Then pulling on the lead, right. and that's not what we want. So as soon as that lead is attached to that dog's collar, what I expect, and this is with my dogs to this day, as soon as that lead's attached to them, the short lead, they come onto my left hand side automatically, and they wait for me, and then we just start walking. So the lead should mean that's where you are. The long lead means that you can be out doing whatever you like within reason. And then, so there's no command for loose lead walking. It just is what it is. It's a default. It's a default place to be. It's a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. I like it. And then, of course, another technique you can do is as soon as the dog goes in front of you, you give a verbal correction, uh-uh, and then you do a sharp correction pop, on the lead there. Yeah. Make sure that if you are going to do any corrections that you're going to pull across your body, so you're putting pressure on the side of their neck where the muscle is, you're not pulling backwards, but you're putting pressure on that windpipe. Yeah. Of so course. Can we talk about corrections for a second? So, yeah. um, with Archie
1: last week, I, n- I remember you saying in one of the videos that we recorded. So you did a little correction, and you said on a scale of one to ten, that's because it's probably like one of the first, probably literally the first correction he's ever experienced. You're like on a, out of ten, that was about a four, mm-hmm. and he's only a small puppy as well. So mm-hmm. there's obviously even if you say oh, uh, like pulling the lead, there's a mm-hmm. massive, for um, sure. range within. That pulling. So
0: with Archie, cause he's like seven month old golden retriever. So he has never been walked on a collar. So with that dog, I think I only gave him maybe two corrections for the yeah. hour of walking. Yeah. He's as soon pretty as he was good. Yeah. He did really good. He, and that's, cl- that's how we look. There's some dogs that are so desensitized to the collar that it, it changes how we do things. But in that particular situation, he went in front. I did change my direction a few times. I did use a little bit of pressure and rewarding. So he started to get it, but he got excited. He wanted to dash to the figure on the floor because it was under a fig tree. And I gave the verbal, uh, and it was just a little flick of my wrist. Again, it's not like I've taken the dog's head off. It's pop, Mm. which then gives that momentary mental shock. And then he's like, oh, what was that? he looked back at me, and then I rewarded him immediately when he came back into position. So I showed him. And now the reason why I used a four rather than a two is because two would have worked today, maybe tomorrow, but the next week you'd go a three. Then you go a four and then a five. And before you know it, in three weeks, four weeks' time, you're- putting significant pressure on the dog and he now does not feel it. He's become desensitized. So I went a little bit higher intensity than softer just so I can use a hell of a lot less corrections. And I don't like to give a dog a correction. I don't find the enjoyment in it. The only reason why I'm motivated to do it is because I know that the dog understands that it works. Now, you can do all of this without corrections, but it's going to take you heaps long and it's going to be very confusing and you're not going to go very far with your dogs yeah. walking. That's a
1: whole podcast in itself, isn't it? Yeah.
0: yeah. We, we'll talk about when and how to use correction and why it's important and it's natural. And it, the different
1: um, actual different, I guess, camps or styles of, of dog sure. trainers. Like of course, NDTF is a balanced yep. um, training course and then yep. there's people who call themselves... Positive only but that's a whole nother kettle of fish
0: for sure so it's important that we have the right intention when we're doing this we're trying to not stop a dog from pulling we're trying to increase the likelihood of our dogs to stay next to us not just stay next to us but not put pressure on that lead so once we start doing this and the walk now becomes dynamic we're now working a partnership there's two styles of leadership one style of leadership well, two styles that I know of, maybe there's more. And as I continue this journey, maybe I'll start <laughs> to learn more. But there's one more like the masculine style of yeah. of leadership, which is more the commander, the militant way. Get down and give me 20 push-ups. Now, if you don't do it, there's another 20. So, there's that sort of disciplined, very, very, very assertive style, yeah. which is do what you've told or there's consequences sort of thing. And then there's the other style of leadership, which is more like a – more the feminine it 's more the artistic, so if we were dancing the tango, the waltz, for example, both in, like in that way of dancing, one leads the other follows, and it becomes a partnership. We are working together, and as we work together, we start to see the dynamic energy or like that synergy of both of us working together, and it becomes fun, it becomes loving It's it 's a it 's an enjoyable time of training with your dog. More of the training that we do is the latter, which is the the, let's do a partnership. It's a teamwork. Yeah, but there are times where I don't want you to do this, and I don't want you to do it again. And we have that firm and fair approach and attitude to our training, so our dogs now understand that we are both. We are the whole of the yin and the yang. We work in all sides of correct of of the of the interaction. And
1: you're only issuing that correction in that split second to break them from that behaviour, and then you're just waiting for that positive behavior that good behavior as soon as they come back to your side or whatever the behavior it is that you're trying to shape Mm -hmm. as soon as that happens you're marking it with a reward anyway exactly the correction is not the ultimate goal the
0: correction is like 10 percent of it all yeah to be honest probably less probably less yeah no exactly and as we said before we're trying to focus on what we want our dogs to do rather than focusing on our dogs what we don't want them to Correct. do so. When people say, "Hey, I want my dog to stop pulling," no, the conversation in your mind should be, "Hey, I want my dog to walk nicer with me." Yeah, and then it changes the way Last that you approach. Half full, not half, half yeah. empty, right? I said this the other day. I was trying to get something out of the car. I'm like, "I'm going to take this out so I don't get don't so I don't ruin it." And I changed it in my head, and I said, "No, no, I'm getting it out so it so I can appreciate it more." Yeah. right, so it was a photo of something and it was a photo of my wife when she was a when she was a kid and there was things on top of it, I'm like, it's just gonna get ruined here. Now I didn't want to say I don't want to ruin it and then take it home and then by the time I'm walking home I ruin it because I'm thinking in my head, don't ruin it, ruin it, ruin it, ruin it. Mm. Or dogs pulling, 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 we're focusing on pulling. No, it's like, Oh, the dog's next to me reward it. Because we forget about our dogs when they're being good. We realise our dogs when they're being naughty or undesirable to us. So This is a big part of how you should be approaching everything about your training. We're not stopping things. We want to try to motivate them to do the things we want. And that's life. That's in everything that you do. So now, of course, when you're walking, it's going to be one thing walking up and down the street where there's no things like a dog or a person or a bird or a cat running across the road. There's like the four things that mostly dogs are reactive to. It's that start your walks when you're teaching this loose-lead walk. Go in the small, quieter streets. Just the kind of practice. And then, as you get on with your journey of you loosely walking, you then start to go in a more a higher now. stimulus yeah. environment. And then, as you start to see this more stimulus come across, then you decide: all right, depending on what the dog is, the dog just excited to see another dog, or is he wanted to eat that dog's head off? Yeah. Well, then that would determine how you approach walking past dogs, and that's a whole whole another thing to discuss. So, with the dog that I seen today, he actually did really, really good. Now, the reason why he was is this the dashing still? The little dashing, yeah. yeah. So we're walking. Like as soon as – so what happened was they were in my front yard and I made a sudden movement. He started to bark and the owner was, hey, no, stop doing that. Like there was a very slow reaction. So I'm like straight away, change your direction, reset, come back, tell him to sit. Now also I showed him how to use the collar appropriately because you can't just hold the lead the whole time and the dog doesn't know how to turn this pressure off if the pressure is always on. Same with the harness. So I showed him it's loose when the dog's next to you. As soon as he – so, for example, while we were talking, I wanted the dog to be sitting for about a minute. A minute sit-stay is not a very big ask, especially when there was not not much happening around us. How old's the dog? Um, I can't remember. I'm going to say or- over a year old. Okay. So All right. So, it's not a puppy anymore. Not a puppy. Yeah. So, um, I told him, okay, let's work the sit. And he had to- t- now at home or maybe in front of their house, the sit may be better than where we were because of new environment. But- we give the command once, then as long as the dog knows how to do the command, then he should follow through and make the dog sit, keep him in the sit position, reward him every time he's holding the sit until he says okay. As we drilled that because we were struggling a little bit, not because the dog knew how to do it. As soon as I grabbed the lead, sit, sit, the dog say, okay, I had to encourage a little bit with a little bit of pressure on the lead and just guide him into the sit. Mm. But as he started to realize, oh, he's only going to say it once and he'll reward me if I do it, if anything, I'll probably jackpot him and give him a handful of food if he does it. Which I was doing and he started to see a little bit better, um, response from me. But as soon as the owner had the dog, there was a different outcome from the dog's behavior. So showing him how to do it, started to give him this confidence. He was scared to hurt his dog. And so was the, the, his wife. So both together started to see that, no, you're probably disadvantaging a dog by letting him do it and talking to him and picking him up and avoiding it. No, let's address it. Let's find the dogs and let's give the dog a different reaction. And we yeah. show him that we're not correcting the dog. For reacting to the dogs and the stimulus, we're correcting them for breaking the rules of the walk. Yes, and that way, the dog can be f- still focused on what the job is when we're out on the walk. And then that, that's a whole mind-body interaction. It's optimal. It's it's fulfilling that dog's mental physical needs. So we come back home. He's more calmer. He's more relaxed, and he's. In a happier place, rather than going for this free time walk, the whole time running around on a long like lead. A maniac. Yeah. And then he comes back, and you've you've wound him up. He's more excited than you did before you left the house. You may as well not have gone. Mm. So that's that's how we started to work. And as I said, we went. We we're walking for about forty minutes down along the walk. We walked past so many people. As I said, three to five dogs, something like that. We walked past. He didn't react once, which was really really good. Now the owner's seen it, they felt it, the dog had the good experience, they now know it's possible. And I bet you when I see him in four weeks, there'll still be a little bit of reactivity, I reckon. Sure. But I don't think it's going to be anywhere near it was because the dog's going to be more confident in what we're doing out here. Because think about it, if you're a dog and you're out in front of your owner and everything's scary around them and he's having to look around and he's down low and everything's going on, and he's not following anyone. Of course you're going to react because the dog learned that the more he barks, the more he's going to keep dogs away. Yeah. And it's been successful for him. So let's start so why showing. Why wouldn't
1: him. he? Yeah. Why wouldn't he keep doing that? It's, if that, if that behavior is reinforced,
0: exactly. It's yeah. reinforced. It's motivating and, and he can control, he thinks he can control what's happening around him. Yeah. And that's a dangerous thing. If you think that you're controlling everyone around you, what happens when the dog comes up and he doesn't care about your barking? Then are you going to bite him? And that dog had nipped my pants in the first session. I walked past him a little bit too quickly, and just out of fear, he just did a quick little nip. It wasn't bad, it wasn't extreme, but we now know that that dog has a potential to bite. Yeah. Now only through the structured walk, and of course, we're working some counter conditioning, um, which means we get the treat. We teach the dog to look at us. We reward him. He sees a dog. We say yes. We re-. so there's two ways of doing that counter conditioning of what we did with with um, the dog today. Is that every time he's seen a dog, we say yes. We reward. He sees a dog, yes, and reward. Dog gets Do you get rewarded. get him
1: to look at you first?
0: So there's two ways. The first one, I'm just going to reward every time he sees a dog. And then- As soon as he
1: notices the dog, you're marking it.
0: I'll mark it straight yeah. up. And what will happen is even though he's looked with alert and he's, he's pricked forward and he's like, what's that? I say, yes. He goes, really? And he sees a dog and he gets rewarded. So, stranger dog equals food. Exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, then we use the look command to help them as well. So we did that in the first session. So we kind of show them- that you can look at me and I will reward you so there's a potential for it so teaching that look we lure the treat towards the side of our face he looks we say yes we reward so what we were doing is through those two ways of um, doing that conditioning we started to see there wasn't really massive moments of him looking at dogs and looking back up but he was feeling a little bit unsure and he just checked in and we reward and he's like oh, hold on a sec. This is awesome. Now I'm looking at you. So we are saying before about being the anchor. Be the anchor, but be the captain of the ship too. Guide them through the walk. So then that way when they're feeling insecure, they can come back next to us and we deal with it as much as we can anyway. And that's how we were dealing with that. Now, of course, there's many layers of what to do and how to do it and timing and how much food, when to reward, when not to reward, praise, etc. There's all these things that are coming through. One thing that we want to just really reiterate in, in today's episode is don't overlook the walk as being an insignificant time. It's the most it's one of the most engaging times that your dog gets with the world. And And with you as the owner. Yeah. So you go out for your walk, don't just walk the streets and go, That's it. Have the opportunity that your dog's so good that you can, hire a Airbnb somewhere and walk your dog in a new place and it's all good. Because you can not think, oh, how do I get my dog boarded? Because I need to go on a on a local holiday. Go somewhere where you can have your dog, your dog with you. Yeah, yeah. So then your dog can They're then part of the live with family you know, take him with you. Yeah. How many times I can I can walk anywhere with spades, and I know that. Of course, you know there's there's still the safety side of things. Always keep your dog on a lead, even if you think he is going to run off from you. I mean, if you don't think he's going to run away from you, because anything could happen. A dog can bounce out of nowhere and and chase him, and he may run away. He may get spooked by something. Anything could happen. These, so, these days
1: when you're walking um, spades and nookie, do you ever still take your treat pouch with you?
0: Not with, not with my Not dogs. with them, right? So, because we can wean so, off the food. So advanced, yeah. Yeah, we can wean off the food over time. The food is there to encourage behaviours to begin with, but we do want to get to a point where we don't have to use any sure. pressure. We don't have to use any food. There is times where I would surprise them and have something with me and, and through intermittent reinforcement. Sometimes they'll get rewarded. Sometimes they won't. Yeah. And that's still good, but- um but my dogs have learnt that habit now. It's like Spades has been doing it for like almost ten, nine almost, a, yeah, years. years yeah. So as we're walking down the street, he just knows that. And also, my like for example, Nookie knows we walk, we calm, we relax. But when we get to the park, her reward is the ball. Yeah. So we know that we're going to go to a park eventually. She's and in the park, mental
1: for that ball. Man. She's crazy, right? Yeah.
0: But see how I can harness that drive? Yeah. Just the other day, I did like a almost two and a half two hundred meter down stay. I got him to down. I walked off. All the way into the park and then as I was coming back at a random time I marked it so she got up and then she'd get rewarded get for the ball. ball. So I'm trying to work more on her so I can have her just like spades to help out with with work and stuff. And one no, we're not maintaining the, the behavior, we're always advancing, getting harder and harder. So that way there the dog knows how to how to follow us and make your walk part of your ritual, make make the walk enjoyable for both of you. So And again, this is talking about one dog. What happens if you own two or three dogs and they're all pulling you? Yeah. What are you going to do then? Yeah. So the dogs are more motivated by each other when they're next to each other. So make sure that. And when I was looking after dogs, dog mining, I would have seven dogs with me uh, a great Dane, two German Shepherds, it was like a border collie, and my dogs or whatever. Everyone was loosely next to me. If I stopped, everyone stopped with me. Now I wasn't particularly training them. I just go, this is how we walk and I need you to walk next to me. Yeah. Let's just walk so I don't have to get pulled down the street because your walk will inevitably be less. If you're gonna pull me down the street. So let's just talk a little bit about the uh
1: the free time then as well. So once yeah. you've done the structured walk, you get mm-hmm. to the park, the the live space. Yep. And then you as you said, you want um or you're encouraging people to use a 10 meter lead. Mm-hmm. Right. So you transition to the lead. And then what what's from there?
0: We go walk through the park. So don't just go to the park and stand around. My park, there's a big I could do a big loop. And as we're walking in amongst all of that, I would practice my as I was saying before, my downstays, my recall, any other extra training that I've been trying to achieve with with um cause Nookie's um signed up for Animal Talent Time, which is a like a talent agency. So she's like, got the looks for it. Yeah. She's hopefully she dog. gets a job soon. But <laughs> yeah. there was a whole list of things that she can and can't do. So now I'm working on ticking off that list. Like I just recently taught a roll and some spin and just a couple of cute commands, cute tricks. Yeah. Why not? And I do it because it engages with her. It gets her fun and it's a fun party trick. It gives her part it's part of her routine. When I ask her to do it, I want her to do it and then I reward her. So we we play this game, but most of the time when we're walking, let them sniff and be a dog. Yeah. Sort of thing. So kind of a bit of a wrestle. Yeah, it's nothing too crazy. You gotta know how to hold the lead, very important. Mm. Um I think there's a video up on on um the long lead and the leash locking up yeah. on the on the YouTube on Nutris Poochers, so check that out because you know, you can you can get some no, some gnarly burns on on your skin. I've got a few scars on my ankles. Not a and real I, dog trainer unless you've got a few scars. That's on your legs. it, man. Hundred percent. So it's going to happen. So you have got to know how to how to control that. Wear pants. Wear pants. Yeah, maybe high boots. Um, I haven't been hurt recently, but I've been nailed so many times that I don't know how to avoid it. So step on that lead if their dog's running off, or you know, just make sure you've locked it in, hold it properly. So. That's a little bit of the twenty 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 rule. Yep, and why it's important to walk a loose lead. So, if there's any questions, anyone can hit us up. Awesome.
1: And like, yeah, like um, I've seen quite a few of your session, your client sessions now, and it's so obvious to me that that's like that's the that structured walk is the found the cornerstone, the foundation of pretty much every session. Like you, you've you've built most of your sessions around that. I think
0: most of them that you've also come to have been time for addressing that as well. Yeah. There are things of what to do inside the house and everything sure. else. For sure. But I think yeah, the outdoor we're always doing loosely walking with every dog because when I ask the question, does your dog pull? And people say, he doesn't pull. Maybe that's not the question that I should ask, even though what does pulling mean to you compared to what I think is that does your dog follow you when you're walking? Does your dog know how to have a loose lead? So pulling means that the dog's in front of you and putting pressure on the lead. That's pulling you. Um, if you stop, does the dog stop with you? So, the, the the thing that I say to my clients is when you're out in the walk and your dog's in front of you, your dog can't see you, can't be focused on you, so he cannot listen to you. And mm. if he can't listen to you, why the hell is he going to do anything that you ask him to do? It's a recipe for a bad time. Isn't it? Yeah, help your dog, have your dog. Like when I'm, me and you walk down the street, I have you in my peripheral vision. If you fell I'm over. I'm walking 10 meters in front of you going,
1: Hey, Panos, like yeah. nice walk together. While yeah, exactly.
0: 10 meters up the road. I'm having a conversation. We've got to be close to each other. Yep. If you passed out and fell on the ground, I'm not focused on you. Keep on walking. I wouldn't know where you are. So having like, we do that naturally when we walk with our friends and family or whoever it is that you're walking with, you can see each other on peripheral vision. So we want to teach that dog to have that. Don't stare at me, but know where I am. So if I start slowing down and I was able to, when I was recovering knee arthroscopy, I was had to start walking again. So I got on the crutches and I'm slowly walking up and down the street to get some movement. And of course my dogs were with me, except my dogs were thinking, why are we walking so slow? It's ridiculous. But I needed that to happen. And now because I... When I put it up, I said, practice when you don't need it, so when you need it, you've got it. So, if you roll your ankle halfway through the walk, you want your dog to pull you back yeah, home and get the sit on the ground and wait for dad to pick you up. If
1: you had a dog that's tugging or pulling all the time, how are you going to have like a knee surgery and then try and walk your dog? Is exactly. that going to happen? Yeah.
0: And that's when dogs don't go for the walk for six weeks. And then, of course, we see other issues. And of course, the lack of any mental, physical stimulation, your dog's going to release it all over your house somehow. Yeah. So... Yeah. destroy your couch yeah exactly <laughs> well my one of my clients just yeah and I, i'd had heaps of sessions yesterday one of the one of the sessions was a beagle walk couldn't the lady's like stressed dog never goes for a walk little young beagle year and a half she's buzzing mm. and i showed her how to walk showed her the martingale collar showed her the thing and she's like she's never ever walk like this oh my like, good well now you can be walking start off with half an hour a day then as you start getting your own momentum Go for the hour walk build and start, build up to yeah. it. So don't go an hour straight away. You may have to warm up to it as well. So
1: in that case, you do what, 10, 10, 10? Yeah, yeah. always split it up in, in sure. thirds. Okay.
0: Definitely. And then hopefully when I see him in three weeks, the dog's going to be not perfect, but calmer. that will oh, be nice. Progress. And not, most of the time you see it. When you give the dog the outlet uh, uh, and, and through your obedience training as well and all the things that we need to work on and making the dog dog have that, that job, you say all of these behavioral issues start disappearing. They're not valuable anymore. They don't serve the purpose they used to. Yeah. So that's the awesome. Yeah. All right. So that's episode six
1: that's in the it. can. Well done. Thank you. Um, questions? Please uh, send them through. Hit, hit the like. Hit the comment. Leave Appreciate us a review it. on your podcast app. Um, yeah. Hit us up. Yeah. Awesome. Cheers, Thank bro. you, brother. Okay.
0: Take care. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips and techniques, visit noocherspooches.com.au Thank you and stay tuned for next time.